Friends, because uh, the proclaiming of the word is a communal exercise, meaning um, I preach as one among you, not one distinct from you, and we need the Spirit to not only hear but also proclaim the good news. I pray the Lord be with you. Let's pray now. Lord, uh, we, we offer our bodies to you today and our ears. We pray for your glorious beauty to be made known to us uh, in, in the... Uh, in the reality of baptism, and in the reality of you giving grace to us in the ordinary. So speak to us now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, uh, this is the first week of a five-week, I think it's four or five-week uh, sermon series on uh, baptism. And there's tons of ways to preach about baptism. We could be preaching through all the baptismal texts of the New Testament. We could have preached through uh, just, you know, like different water things happening and all that. But we decided to pull out five major themes that we think are central to the understanding of baptism. And so we'll just take a theme each week, uh, sacrament, water, family, regeneration, and journey. So this week it is sacrament. And today we proclaim that in the world of a private and maybe abstract or intellectualized Christian faith, where we have, uh, where the, the highest piety is our eyes close, cut off from other people, all by myself, where we can become disconnected from our bodies and disconnected from creation. Today we are invited into a sacramental way of living in the world where God is present and at work in ordinary, physical, everyday things. Uh, so baptism, friends, uh, there may be more teaching in this. Uh, we, we like to proclaim good news, and since we're, uh, we're kind of leading up to some baptism, there's going to be a little more teaching involved in our messages. Uh, some of you will be ecstatic about that. Uh, but I just want to name that as a little distinction from where we've been in the past. But let me just... Uh, let me just say what baptism is, because I know that we come from all different traditions, and we are, many of us, learning a new way of, of thinking about or even experiencing and entering into baptism. So uh, baptism is initiation into a new family, which is what we'll talk about in two weeks, uh, through water, which is next week, uh, and it's a sacrament this week, uh, whereby we receive a seed of new life, that's the fourth week, uh, and we begin our Christian journey last week. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so today, friends, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about baptism as a sacrament. And sacrament is a big kind of churchy religious word that simply uh, is composed of four things. And we'll, we'll break them down and make it real accessible. But a sacrament is a sign, a symbol, a seed, and a seal. A signed symbol, seed, and seal. And we'll see that a sacrament isn't hocus pocus. It's not an empty or dead ritual. It's not sort of like uh, Jesus Harry Potter, you know? But it, it's, it's actually what C.S. Lewis calls deep magic. It's the communication of grace from God to us through everyday, ordinary means. So yesterday, uh, my day off, slept in a little bit, um, except our kids sometimes make that difficult, but we endured, we persevered. I did not get out of bed until like 7.20. 
uh, which is which is sleeping in for the Tebbies. Um, and, and I decided to spend some time on the back porch because you know, it was a beautiful morning. So I went on the back porch. I'm sitting there. I've got my little, I've got my coffee. I've got my, uh, my, my you know, my Bible. I'm going to just take some time to pray. And I'm just breathing. And uh, it's kind of a, a normal, typical time with God for me, which is I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to talk to God. Uh, I've got this prayer thing I go through that we learned with uh, Brian's on a couple uh, last year. And I'm just sitting there and I'm feeling, I'm feeling really tired. I've been telling Sharon I haven't slept well. And so I'm, I keep fantasizing about going back to sleep, but I know that I can't. <laughs> so that kind of makes me feel like a little grumbly and pouty. I don't know if anybody can relate to this. Uh, feeling a little grumbly about And like with every sip of coffee, it's like, oh, that coffee tastes really good. I really need it. And then there's also like this little dream of going back to sleep dies a little more because I'm you know, drinking caffeine. So th- I'm, this is happening on the back porch. I'm just not really, f- I'm not feeling it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not this isn't one of those uh, tiptoeing through the tulips of Jesus moments that, uh, that we have when we have our quiet times. But one of the things that's happened this summer, Sharon's done this amazing job of right outside our back uh, concrete slab patio, there's these, there's these flowers that we've begged, borrowed, and st- stolen from family members and other people. Um, and there's tons of beautiful flowers. Some of them perhaps are weeds, but they look pretty, so we've left them. And, and uh, it's nice. And so there's like bumblebees will come and play in the flowers and things like that. And because we live in the suburbs and there's no predators except for me and I don't eat rabbits, there's like 74 rabbits in our backyard. Uh, and, I, and I'm sort of just sitting here like feeling tired, kind of pouty because I didn't have the quiet time I wanted, uh, wondering what I'm going to do next. And all of a sudden I notice on... Uh, one of our flowers is a hummingbird. You know what a hummingbird is? You guys see a hummingbird? At first, I thought it was a, a bug because it's um we're getting it's in August in Indiana, and that's when the locusts come out of the ground and start making all that noise, and they're big, they're like huge bugs. And I thought, oh, this is a locust because it looked it looked small enough to be a locust. But as I watched it, it definitely was a hummingbird. Uh, and I was just like, this is crazy. And I realized that the hummingbird didn't see me. Like it was just, and I, and I tilted my head like this and the hummingbird left the flower and came flying right towards me. And I'm not kidding, like two arm lengths away is how close this hummingbird was for me. Uh, now, I've seen hummingbirds before, probably half dozen, dozen times, but I've never been this close to a hummingbird ever. And the hummingbird fluttered there for like 10 seconds, checking me out. And I was checking, I want to say her. <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to do a gender check on the hummingbird, but I think I'll just call her her. Uh, her. This hummingbird. Uh, and all of a sudden, friends, all the tiredness and all the Phineas and Ferb muffled dialogue through the window and all of the reality not being the way I want it to be in my body, not feeling the way I wish it did in my day, not starting the way I wanted it to, all that left. It was just this incredible, like, like my, our flowers could have been on fire and not being consumed and I wouldn't have experienced more grace in that moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you had these moments where the veil between natural and supernatural falls away? 
or where the sheer amazingness of the created world opens up to you and you're overcome with not thoughts and not even feelings, but just this connectedness to everything and how it's, it's, it's all, like it's all, it's all a part of, like you're a part of it and it's all part of you and God's, God's got everything held together. Friends, this, uh, this experience, this, this connectedness, this, this being with, this feeling, feeling like everything's being included, including me, but we're, being, we're transcending what we are into like a greater reality. I mean, it's just a stinking hummingbird, but all that's happening in this little, small, locust-like bird. I want to suggest, friends, that, that this connection point, which I, I know many of us have had this with ordinary, everyday, physical things, this connection point is what sacrament is meant to teach us to live in. Sacrament is a word we give to God giving grace to us in ordinary, physical things so that increasingly our lives can be caught up in this grand, divine, supernatural reality that's always hidden in plain sight before us. And so today, as we move to talk about baptism, we're confronted with our own stories of what baptism is. I, was, I came to um, faith in college. I was raised in an uh, infant baptism tradition, but I came to faith in college, and uh, I was already baptized as an infant, but I remember, I remember people telling me that baptism, when I came to faith, this is what baptism was. It is the public declaration of your faith. Have you heard this? Does this sound familiar? So think about the implications of what that means. We often talk about faith as though it's private. <laughs> right? Personal. Like it's my thing. It's this thing that you don't know about unless I get baptized. And then I declare to everybody, this is my private personal faith, right? The implication here, though, is that faith is a private, sequestered, isolated thing that, that unless I let you into it on baptism, you wouldn't know about it. And baptism is how you go public. To quote Hank Hill from <laughs> King of the Hill, I happen to know that that's asinine. <laughs> Baptism is not how we go public. I mean, maybe that happens. Maybe nobody knows, and people are like, I, didn't, I thought this guy was a jerkhead. Nope, he's a Christian. <laughs> like, maybe that happens. <laughs> but, 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 but baptism, friends, is a sacrament. It's a physical enactment of Christ's life and death which we'll talk about, then we'll talk about next week. It's our participation in that by going in the water and coming up out of it and our identification with it. And it happens through everyday, ordinary water. In a world of private, abstract, intellectualized faith, where the pinnacle is our eyes being closed and being all by ourselves in our Christianity where we can become disconnected from our bodies and from relationships and from creation. Today, friends, we're invited into a sacramental way of being where God is present 
and at work in the world. And he gives us grace through ordinary, everyday, physical things. Like water. Like hummingbirds. So, uh, baptism, as uh, we read here. And I'm going to kind of touch on these four texts quickly as we move through. uh, And then actually uh, celebrate another sacrament, which is the Lord's Supper. But baptism uh, is connected in the New Testament to circumcision in the Old Testament. Right? So, it's a ritual of initiation into God's covenant people. Rituals mark transitions or initiations in our, in our culture, bar mitzvahs, birthdays, right? Graduation parties, recitals, advancement of Taekwondo belts. Anyone, any Taekwondo people in here? Mallory? You wish. <laughs> so uh, at rituals, we celebrate, we give toasts, we, uh, we dance, we drink, we, we pinata, we do all kinds of things. So sacraments is this ritual of this initiation, but a sacrament, and, and I know that word is a, is a big scary word, but let's just break it down into four things. Sign, symbol, seal, and seed. First, it's a sign. In Genesis today, we heard God describe circumcision as a sign of the covenant, right? Colossians 2, the text that was read from Colossians today, connects the sign of circumcision to the sign of baptism, right? So the New Testament people thought of Baptism is this, this, this sign, this declaration that we are connected and covenanted to God. It's a sign of distinction, of difference. So sometimes we do this today. We, we have signs in our culture that distinguish us from other people. So uh, tattoos sometimes are marks of distinction, right? Um, collars, like clergy wear collar. It's a sign of distinction. Our baptism functions like that. So sacrament means that it's a sign of the covenant. It's also a seal. So baptism is a seal of God's redemptive love. Confirms that he approves and endorses our relationship with him. Romans uh, 4.11, which we didn't read today, but it talks about how circumcision is a sign and a seal of Abraham's faith. Baptism is a seal of our faith, even as an infant. Because here's the deal, friends, <laughs> and we'll talk about this more. I don't have time to really talk a lot about it. We live in a really individualized culture where you and I, we get to decide who we want to be. And then most of our life is making ourselves into who we want to be. Um, and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but one of the things we lose with that is that who we are, our real, our real identity, is actually, has already been given to us <laughs> in Christ. <laughs> that when Jesus, for, for God so loved the world, okay, it's not just the people who were alive then, but it's you and me as well. And so in a very real sense, baptism reminds us that we count our, we count our salvation not from that time when I was four and I accepted Jesus on the potty or that time in, in youth camp when I uh, was 14 and I accepted Jesus at the, at the rally or that one time in Awana when I was going to get an extra thousand points if I accepted Jesus that night. No, our, our salvation, our salvation is actually 2,000 years old. When were you saved? 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just realizing it. 2,000 years ago. 
Baptism is a seal that what Jesus did in his death and resurrection, that covenant is ours. Third, it's a symbol. This is uh, probably the one that, uh, other than seed, is most hard for us. There's deep drama happening in baptism. It's an enacted parable. It's, uh, we're, we're actually reenacting the life and death and then life again of Jesus when we stand in water and we go into it and come out of it. We're standing in the grave, dying and coming back to life. Ben will talk more about this next week. But this is, this is the logic when we read the passage from Genesis today where uh, Abraham, God's like, oh, I want a covenant with you. Abraham's, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll slaughter some animals and I'll separate them and I'll shoo away the birds, which is a little foreign to us. That's not how we make agreements today. Like you buy a house, you don't go slaughter uh, your neighbor's dog and put two sides on either side and say, hey, let's, uh, let's sell this house. Let's do this. Right? You don't, that's not how we do things. But in, in, in Abraham's day, this is how covenants are made. You take ordinary, physical, normal things, livestock, birds, you break them in half, you set them here, and then it says he fell into a deep sleep and this smoking pot of fire passed in between of these dead animals that Abraham had spent several hours shooing carrion and raptors away from, right? This is symbol. This is deep drama. This is how treaties were made in Abraham's day. And the, the symbol, the symbol, the symbolicism, yep, that's just, just did that. Symbolicism is that, symbolism, is that <laughs> God is saying, God is saying, in, in being figured as the smoking pot of fire, he's passing through blood, which is an image of birth, passing through blood. And he's saying, I am now connected to you. And may it be for me as these animals, if I break covenant with you. Now, he didn't say that. Abraham knew that's what was being communicated. Because the symbol of these dead animals and this image of God passing between them communicates that to Abraham. Parenthetically, this God is saying, I want to be dead if I break covenant with you. And instead of breaking covenant with the people of God, God actually became man and died. Right? So we see in this passage even what Jesus will do. Our baptism, friends, is a symbol, a covenant symbol that the God who covenanted with Abraham and kept covenant with Jesus, that we participate and are initiated into that family in the symbol of dying and rising again. Symbols are powerful. Um, and finally, seed. This, this passage in Mark 10, where Jesus says, uh, do not, let the little kids come to me and do not hinder them from coming. Right? Because for such belongs the kingdom of God. And they sit on his lap and he, you know, blesses them. Uh, there's, a, there's a sense in, in our baptism, friends, and particularly with infant baptism, that there's this seed of new life that's given to the one who's baptized. There's grace that's communicated to them. 
Now, this seed needs water and sunshine, right? So the seed isn't full-fledged faith. But there's this impartation or this implantation of grace. This might be the hardest part for us if you come from traditions like I do, which sees baptism as this personal choice that you do to declare something that's true. We see, uh, and we'll talk about this in the next four weeks, we see in the New Testament that whole households are baptized. Family. They're incorporated into something that transcends and includes them, that catches them up in something. But God gives grace in this baptism. Just parenthetically, just an interesting thing about this, this word that Jesus says about these kids, don't hinder them from coming to me. We see, we see all through Acts when people are about ready to get baptized, including the eunuch, um, Ethiopian eunuch, including Cornelius, and, and two other places. They use this same Greek word, this Greek construction. They say, what's to hinder me from being baptized? And Paul or whoever is like, nothing, let's do, let's do this. So there's this, there's, there's this uh, ancient church, the church fathers interpreted what Jesus was saying here as almost a baptismal formula in Mark 10. In a world of private, abstract, intellectualized faith, where we're, uh, we're taught, not just tempted, we're taught to live uh, disconnected from our bodies and from other people in creation. Today, friends, we, we're invited, you're invited, to live a sacramental way of being where God is present and at work in the world and where we, and he gives grace to us in ordinary, physical, everyday things around us. So sacrament then isn't, uh, it's not, uh, this isn't David Copperfield stuff, right? It's water, it's bread, it's wine. It's the stuff that matters, that God uses to communicate grace to us. This is hard for me because, friends, I, I like to think about things and, and feel things. I like, to, I like to be in control of whatever divine reality I'm experiencing. I want to know it. I want to explain it. And if I can describe it, then it's true. Can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah. And the sacramental way of being is, is like this antidote to this enlightenment cataracts. And it helps us understand that sometimes, friends, sometimes God communicates grace through everyday, ordinary, physical things in ways we can't explain, <laughs> describe, or control. So I'm on my way over here this morning, and I'm uh, sitting at Starbucks as I do, eating uh, my little, uh, I smuggle in a little breakfast uh, bowl from Qdoba to Starbucks, and I always get the side eye from the barista, and I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care, I just do it. But I get a coffee, that's why I go to Starbucks, because Qdoba's coffee is awful. Uh, Starbucks is not great, but it's better than Qdoba's. So I'm sitting there, praying through this message, savoring my little burrito bowl, and uh, the Lord is like, you know, you don't really need more words today to describe sacrament or pre-sacrament. I'll just, just go, just go be with me. So I decided to go over here to Rickty Woods, which is up on Hague Road. And I'm walking uh, down this, this path, and I'm just like, 
enjoying like the beauty of everything and trying not to let my thoughts interfere with just being with God. You know, trying to turn off the monkey mind, the chatter. And I notice as I'm walking, these like it's all green and there's these red, giant red like these green stalks with these red flowers. And I'm not kidding. There's like a hummingbird on this red flower this morning. I've probably seen two hummingbirds in the last 10 years before the last two days. So I'm staring at this hummingbird and I'm just like, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. And I'm just start rejoicing, like, here's confirmation for me that like what we're talking about today is crucial. It starts to rain, right? Uh, raining on my hummingbird parade. So I go sit in this little pavilion uh, over there, and I'm just sitting there, and this hummingbird flies up and starts eating this flower. Stinking unbelievable. Friends, where today, where today does God want to communicate his presence to you in ordinary, physical, mundane things? What, what hummingbird, what bread, what wine, what water, what car that won't start, what book you haven't read, what couch, what piece of toast. Where in your life is God waiting to reveal his presence and power to you, his very self to you today? Some things to help you think, and then we're going to pray. Just some things to think about. Part of receiving grace is recovering the, uh, the gift of wonder. Not the gift of mastery and control, but the gift of like a surrendered awe. A spacious openness. Where's God inviting you today? To be present to a physical, ordinary part of your life and a surrendered openness. To recover the ability to be awed. To reclaim the word awesome from a mobile phone video game and a pair of new socks. But to truly have some awe. Just take 30 seconds. Ask the Lord, Lord, where's, where in my life are you wanting to reveal your grace to communicate your glory to me in the ordinary? There's a prayer here um, in your booklet. Let's use this together to respond to this good news. That God is at work in the world. He's available and he's communicating to us 
right here. Let's, let's use this prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are present and a work in the world. Help me to receive your grace in my blank. Of course, this is the sacramental way of being, to receive grace, Lord, in this physical, ordinary, mundane place. Where is it? Where do you, what do you want to either petition God to meet you in or surrender to God because you know he's waiting there? Whatever it is, let's name it. Then say, Lord, in your mercy, and we'll all respond. Hear our prayer. Let's spend some time praying together.